So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. Today, we've got a special guest on. We've got Forrest Young from CrossFit South Bay, which is in Hermosa Beach, California. And it's pretty special because it's one of the original CrossFit boxes that opened up. Can we say founded? Would you like to found something? Sure. Yeah, he's, sure. he's going to be talking to us a little bit today about how he's seen fitness evolve and some of the key things that he thinks are really important for people to know coming into fitness or if you've been in fitness for a long time and are looking for something different. But I'm going to turn it over to you for a second for us so you can say anything I might have left out about what you feel I should have said about you. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the biggest thing is that over the years, fitness has changed a lot since 2008 when I first got into it. I mean, obviously was into fitness before then, but seriously in around 2008, and the the trends have just changed a lot. So being able to like survive and stay in the fitness game and change, I think just change your outlook, change your approach, change your delivery, and just be open, constantly learning things. I think. People who've been around long enough have experienced that. Other people like sometimes it just outgrows them and they move on. So having that kind of perspective, I think, is starting to get more and more rare these days. Definitely. I think you hit on something interesting there with the, you know, it outgrows people because there's a ton of people that get into fitness, right? Every year there's thousands and thousands of personal trainers and coaches who come and decide to join the world of fitness. And there's actually quite high turnover rates still now today. And, you know, we just saw a really big shift in the market with COVID happening and shutting a lot of the in-person classes down while well, all of them for a period of time in most places anyway. What would you say you've seen as the, the biggest changes in coaches? Because you hire coaches all the time. <laughs> well, I think, I think the changes in the beginning, there wasn't a lot of information online. Like 2008, like, Social media hadn't really taken a hold of society like it has today. Um, The information and like the people that were delivering the information were few and far between. There's only a few people delivering it. And so you kind of get this very small, very vocal amount of people in the beginning and you're not exposed to a lot. So if somebody says, um, you know, you have to run this way, or you have to mobilize this way, or you have to take an ice bath this way. That was just gospel back then. And now it's very different. I mean, there's, it was before it was like very easy. It's like, Oh, they're right. Just because they're the loudest at this point, like we should all put butter in our coffee. And like, that's the way to do it. And nobody questioned them because there just weren't other voices at the time. So now, um, there are a lot of other voices. There are a lot of other like rebuttals. And the bad thing I think is that it causes a lot of confusion because I think there's never like a definitive right or wrong answer. Most of the time with fitness, there's always like cases 
where it's like X amount of people, like 70% of the people could do fine on an ice bath where 30% of the people could see a reduction in like muscle gains, who yeah. knows, but like, there's no definitive right or wrong. And it's just kind of like, there's a lot of confusing and conflicting information out there now. So when you hire a coach, you just have to be very careful of, of hiring somebody who's too opinionated in one way or another, whether or not they're right or wrong. It's just being able to be open to new forms of training, new information constantly. And like being able to evaluate each individual situation and to deliver the right information for each individual situation. Yeah. And have the coaching tools to adapt to it. Right. I think it's because if you listen to most coaches, you know, cause I hired a bunch of coaches in my time as well. And it's like 99% of them come in with their own fitness story, their own fitness success story. That's then turned into their reason for showing up and helping others, which is fantastic. But it can narrow that focus down to like, this is the way it works. And this is the only way it works. And I think there's been a huge shift I've seen at least in the last 10 years in the, the way coaches are being trained and the way that people are kind of talking about, Hey, actually, you know, really need to ask more questions of your clients. You really need to figure out what's going on with them. It isn't, they show up and they get a meal plan and a training plan and it's do or die. You know, that was how it was. Cause you said something else about, you know, back in 2007, 2008, when you started and when I was in, you know, at that period in time, I was pretty heavily into bodybuilding at that point. And there were people who were very loud and very sure that what they were doing was right. And it's weird because literally this morning I was talking to my oldest workout buddy and she was saying, can't you, can you think back to like when we used to go to that gym in France and there was that trainer who used to always like pinch us and tell us that we needed to do more cardio. And like, that's like mind blowing now, right? If somebody did that to somebody in a gym now, that would like, that's it. You're gone. (laughs) But back in those days, he was doing that to all the people in the gym, not just girls. It wasn't just a girl thing. But he was hooking people up to the, the bioelectrical impedance device like weekly and saying, oh, look, you've gained 3% body fat just this week. And it's like, oh, when I think back on some of those experiences, it's, it's really scary to think how many people got turned off of fitness by the loudest person in the room, mm-hmm. like you said, you know? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think things have definitely changed with the times for sure, because it used to be like, oh, you're tired? Go to go train, pussy. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care if you're tired. This is how we get gains. Are we allowed to curse on this on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, fuck yeah. Please yeah, fucking right. try it. <laughs> set the stage for you. But I like, said this This podcast is always set to explicit. Yeah. You know, okay. Like, <laughs> All right, good. Um, but yeah, it used to be like, go train, pussy. Quit being a little bitch. And even though like there is still some, some of that, it's just like, it's more about training smart and like understanding, just understanding like how people are feeling and if they're getting burnt out and what's the long-term play for most people. Um, and like shaming people into fitness doesn't really work for the majority of people anymore. Like, I think people are kind of sick of that. Um, taking a different approach, I think would be like, I know it's, it sounds kind of frou-frou, but like just having more empathy for people and their situations, you just get better results, even though it's a lot more work. It's a lot more work to be, to have empathy for people than to just be like, suck it up, train. This is what's on the piece of paper. So do it. Hmm. One of the things I remember um, from 
some of my coaches who were slightly less successful than some of mine who were more successful was, you know, this idea of like, I'm not here to be a therapist. I've actually had a coach say that to me at one point when yeah. about the progress of one of his clients and why she hadn't resigned and this, that, and the other. And that's what he said to me. He's like, well, I'm not a therapist. If she wants to talk, she can go hire somebody else. And I was like, aha, well, this explains a little bit. You know, we tried to, I tried to talk to him a little bit about why potentially he was having so much trouble resigning clients. And I said, you know, part of the training really is listening to your client and figuring out what's working for them and what isn't. He's like, well, that's not my job. My job is to write exercise programming. And I think that's actually one of the biggest shifts I've seen. I hear that so much less than I used yeah. from coaches, you know, because that was how it was. It was suck it up. I literally got told to man up in my training on the regular. And I did because I'm a man. I man up. When well, I, like I think, I think the fitness industry has like moved on from those people, right? It's kind yeah. of just outgrown those people, or they've adapted, right? So I think, you know that <laughs> that whole thing where it's like man up, man up, and it's like I'm not a therapist. I've had coaches tell me before where it's like I'm not a cheerleader. It's like you are, you are, are partly a cheerleader. You are partly there to motivate people because if you don't do that, they don't they don't have. They're not internally motivated. That's why they're coming to you, right? right? And it's like, if they're going to show up and you're just going to shit on them, they're not going to re-sign back up with you. They're not going to come back. They're actually probably not even going to like fitness anymore because they're going to think everybody is like you, right? right? And where I've had coaches say stuff like, well, I'm not a DJ, so I'm not going to play good music. I'm like, but you are. You are a fucking DJ. And like, that's part of the, the huge success of like SoulCycle is that it's basically yes. a DJ on a bike, right? And that's, that's all it is, really. Because people get pumped up, you're kind of distracted, so you're just exercising. So that's, there's there's something to that. Yeah. So I think people have evolved. I think, I think most coaches and trainers have evolved into being like part therapist, part cheerleader, obviously part like nutritionist, part, um, <laughs> part coach and like, you know, and like, there's also less of an emphasis on perfect form now too. Like it's some people, just people are built differently. So it's like searching for perfect form and really focusing in on that can also hinder things. So yeah. set people we, up with a really negative mentality too. Of like yeah. I can never do this right. So why do it at all? Yeah. Like a deadlift doesn't have to be a hundred percent perfect a hundred percent of the time. And there's plenty of top deadlifters that deadlift with a rounded back. For and sure. It's fucking fine. Right. And it's like, so I think, I think people get hung up on this, on certain things or they get like in a certain realm that they're super comfortable with and they won't branch out from that. And yeah. ultimately that leads to like their demise and they end up doing something completely different. Yeah. And you do hear that as a kind of like a story arc through the, the life cycle of a trainer, right? Like, they're like, Oh man, I'm so motivated and everything is awesome. I'm going to help so many people. And it's like, Oh, people just don't listen to me. So uh, I don't know how to make money here. Uh, it's just really not an issue that's geared to make money. So I'm out. I'm do something. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. And I think, you know, like you've been in fitness professionally now for 14 years, right? It's 14. Yeah. Ish. Around. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly it's possible and clearly you're doing some things very correctly because you've generated a really solid community at South Bay, right? It's, it's actually, one of the things I think, and I hope you agree, has carried you through the pandemic is having people who are extremely loyal because you give that back to them. You know what I mean? Like you're with your employees as well. I can say that having been one, you know, like you give back whatever the person's willing to give to you. Absolutely. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting though, because when you, when I hire coaches now and I also, I get a lot of questions on social media now about like, Hey, I want to get in the fitness industry. What kind of advice would you have for me? <laughs> and like a lot of times I'm just like, make sure you love it. First of all, make sure you love putting your energy into other people because if you love fitness for yourself and you love going to the gym and you think going like being at the gym is great. That's one thing when you're doing it for yourself, but you got to do it for other people. And in order to do it for other people, you have to really love it because yeah. you're going to end up repeating the same shit <laughs> over and over and over and over again. And it, you're for them, it's brand new. And for you, you're like, why don't any of these people get it? I mean, they don't get it. And that, creates a job for you that's a problem for you to solve that's why you have a job so if you're complaining that people don't understand protein carbs and fats like good that gives you a job and i think some of these people like don't understand that it's monotonous at times and yeah, you're that's true yeah and you're constantly pumping people up even on when you're having a shitty day you got you have to like put your energy into somebody else Absolutely. And I think that's actually why it's such an important role, though. I was actually reading this book um, recently called, it's called Fed Up. It's got a really inflammatory title and her tone is very aggressive. Um, but she talks about this idea of emotional labor and that there are all of these jobs out there that require huge amounts of emotional labor that don't actually get paid. You know, obviously this was geared more towards parenting and, and that kind of thing. But I, I really feel like it applies to coaching as well. Because people don't often realize the emotional labor load that they're taking on when they coach. And it's, I used to actually have an issue where I would ask a, a question in interviews specifically. It's like, are you a coach or are you an athlete? And I could tell a lot by the answer because if you're still an athlete, you're focused on your goals and your gains, not mm -hmm. your clients. But if you want to coach, you're okay putting your own goals on the back burner for now while you're coaching to take care of that other person. And I found that it was a really interesting sort of like dividing point for people because it often tripped them up. They're like, well, I can be both. It's like, well, not really, honestly, not really. I mean, maybe you can be somewhat competitive. You know, like one of the things I really like to do when I was coaching CrossFit was take my new teams to competitions, but I wasn't going to competitions with that team to win. I was going to those competitions because I wanted to expose people to being able to show up and compete and participate and do something that sets a, like a benchmark for them so that they can then like feel confident to go test themselves regularly and help them improve. But I didn't go to those competitions to like win them. Right. Right. I, mean, I think some, I mean, with, especially with competitive athletes, I think when you're getting them to come in and coach, like you have to be very clear about like, Look, I don't, I don't want you doing your last rep at 3.59 and starting your class at 4 o'clock as right. you're eating your, you know, your post-workout meal. Like, you have to be prepared just like everybody else. And I don't care if you're com competitive or not. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Also, that doesn't bring any money in the door. Like, nobody really gives a fuck other than, like, seeing you, oh, yay, we're going to cheer you on. But, like, that doesn't bring in new members. They don't care. Like what they care about is being coached and being cared for versus like staring at somebody with abs. Like they don't, they really don't care that I mean, much. It's nice. Sure. But like, yeah. I'm not going to be also nice. It's also nice to be coached. Totally. You know? Like I've, I've also had coaches go to places with like extremely poor customer service 
just so that they can experience that too. Be like, okay, that's exactly what you're doing. That's what, that's what you're doing daily. So let's fix that. Awesome. What do you think about all this, Liz? So far? Got any questions? Well, I was just, it just is amazing how hearing about you guys talk about the fitness industry, um, it just all relates to working with my clients in the marketing industry, uh, where you're, where you're, you're in the people business, you're in the emotion business in a lot of ways, whether people like to believe it or not. Um, when you were talking, when Forrest, you were talking about that guy who was like, I'm just here to write exercise plans. I don't need, you know, to coddle you. In in the marketing industry, we have like developers who are there to talk to the computers. And then we have people like me, account managers, who are there to talk to the humans. And I'm like, you wouldn't just be able to have one or the other. You know, you have to have them both together. And that's like how you create success. And I'm like thinking of a coach just being like, here, idiot, you're a computer now. And you're going to do exactly what I say. I just, I thought that was so... I thought that was so interesting that the the fitness industry is now just getting into like, oh, people are like people and not like machines. Oh, interesting. Um, and Chris and I have talked about this a lot because I I came in uh, with her and I was like, Chris, pl- like program me, program me to work how I want to work. And she's like, that's not, that's, I was like, no, just tell me what to do and I'll stick to it and I'll be like awesome and achieve all my goals. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. No, because like if, if it did work that way, you honestly could just download something for free online. There's, there's a ton of information for free online if it really, yeah. really did work that way. Absolutely. It's like diet books or recipe books. I, I have this conversation with people all the time. It's like, I can write you a meal plan. I can do that yeah. in my sleep. That's not the problem. You have to have all the tools in place to do it, to do it consistently and to be satisfied by doing it. Because if you have one of those three components that's lacking, you're not going to maintain it long enough to see the results. And it's, yeah. I remember I was at a seminar with um, Dr. Berardi so a really long time ago now. One of the things he said that's always stuck with me, he's like, we treat nutrition and fitness, and this is historical, I wouldn't say it's accurate now, but we treat nutrition and fitness um, like if you were trying to teach a snatch and you just had somebody walk in the door and you put the barbell on the floor and you're like, okay, cool snatch. See, that's a barbell. This is a snatch. Do it. And that's how we were treating nutrition and fitness for a really long time. It was like, well, here's a meal plan. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you following it? And I've seen a huge shift now because I think that was for me at that time was like a huge epiphany moment of like, this is totally what's going wrong is we're, we're asking people to achieve this highly complex really multifaceted thing with a piece of paper <laughs> and no other guidance and then judgment. That's what you get when you come back and you failed. And you know, I say this all the time, like I'm not the food priest. I don't care if you had a donut. That's not what I'm here for. Right. Like I don't, this is I remember not the last time tenants. I remember the last time I told you I had a donut, you were like only one. And I was like, Oh, well, yeah. Only one is that. I was like, why was it not very good? That was fucking amazing. And I've been, I've been like fantasizing ever since about having another one. And we still have that case. So I think it's like, I've seen a lot of positive shift towards handling the aspect of nutrition and fitness with a little more finesse and a little more empathy, like you were saying for us, which is great. Um, because I feel like it really all does come down to your environment and how consistent you are with any of these things. So how did yeah. you 
that's kind of one of my questions because you said that you had been doing a bit of fitness before 2008, before opening your own facility. How did you get into fitness? Like, what was your first day in the gym? Uh, I had been in fitness. I mean, like I had lifted weights since I was 12, but, and it was, it was purely out of rage. I was like getting bullied. And so I had like this weight set in my garage and I just started lifting weights, just, just angry all the time. But by the time I was 14, I got like pretty strong. I was like pretty strong by the time I was 14. And, um, you know, I was, I was relatively large for like my, like for my, my age at that time. But then, at, then I started going into more commercial gyms right around like 15, 16 <clears throat> and squatting, deadlifting, bench pressing, doing more bodybuilding stuff. Cause that's what was around. And basically like, in college, kind of the same thing. And then after college is when I actually get, end up gaining like, it was, I was at 180 and I went up to 235. So whatever that is. So 55 pounds, I gained 55 pounds in a year. Um, just from like drinking and eating poorly and having your first job out of college. And then I ended up basically getting back into fitness and like really taking it seriously and looking at nutrition finally, because I'd never really looked at it before. Mm. And that's when I, so I lost all that weight in about, about like a year and a half. Um, but then I kind of fluctuated and then nutrition's a tough one because I actually, actually like in my thirties realized that I kind of have like a borderline eating disorder. Like I would binge eat a lot. I would um, overeat a lot. And so when I say borderline, I mean like actual eating disorder. And like, so I had a pretty toxic relationship with food and I really didn't notice it until I tried all these diets and would lose weight and then gain weight and then lose weight and then gain weight. And then any times of stress, I would like go directly towards food. And it was just like, it, and it wasn't until I started reading more about it where people were like, yeah, this is straight up eating disorder. And I had talked to people about it before. I'm like, man, I, I overeat. I'm like, I'm really thinking about going to Overeaters Anonymous. And I remember so many times people were like, no, nah, man, you don't need to do that. You're like, you're fine. You're like, whatever. Just like, just diet a little bit. And which is like the worst thing you could probably say to somebody who overeats, right? And I remember like, oh, you're right, man, I got this. And then, you know, there'd be times in my life where like I would end up driving to the store, getting a pint of Ben and Jerry's, driving back, but I would do it every night, every single night I would do it. Like, like I won't have it in the house, but I would drive and go get it. And like late at night, drive and go grab fast food and just like binge eat just cause, you know? So I think having a better relationship with food, especially in the last probably like five or six years and just learning how to deal with it and learning how to deal with kind of like the ins and outs of it has made me much like a more empathetic and a better coach when it comes to nutrition, because I think a lot of people actually have that problem. And, um, you know, they, they will, they have a weird relationship with food where it's like, Oh, you know, if I eat a donut, my coach is going to like yell at me or he's going to be pissed at me and I'm going to be ashamed of it. So I'm just going to lie about it. Right. And so now you get better information too. If you're like, look, man, like, honestly, like, I have I have these like ketchup chips here that somebody sent to me because I That's was on Canadian. <laughs> yeah, I was on Instagram and I was like, people were like ketchup chips. I'm like, what the fuck is a ketchup chip? 
I've never and, heard of that. Yeah. And so this people sent me basically like a full boxes of like Canadian specific treats. Huh. So I'm gonna do like a little taste test thing of them. But yeah. anyway, it's just like being normal, just being able to eat normally and not feel guilty about it and understanding moderation. And that's like you, sorry, go ahead. Do you think that do you think that uh coming to that realization where you're like, oh, I, I have an eating disorder and actually coming to to that and admitting it, do you think that was the catalyst for being like, okay, now I need to actually look into this? Um, like the thing that really kind of changed it, just being able to admit the the hard thing that has all these strong connotations to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, typically like it's like up until the last few years, like eating disorders have been associated with like sorority girls, right? It's just like, yeah. it's like sorority girl thing that happens to girls, yeah. you know, it doesn't happen. And you again. have to look this way. Like for me, yeah. I have trouble saying I have a, I have an eating disorder or past with eating disorders because I'm like, well, I'm not skinny. So obviously people are gonna be like, no, you, no, you don't. In fact, yeah. you should have an eating disorder. You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's like this weird thing where it's like, it's only girls and it's only anorexia and bulimia that's it yeah that's it right and it's actually a whole spectrum of eating disorders and what i didn't realize when i was coming into fitness and i i'm so glad that you said something about this today because i i'm also an eating disorder recovery person and i didn't know going into fitness that pretty much everybody around me was only going to feed that beast mm-hmm and I think it's the dark side of what's been going on in fitness slash nutrition in fitness for a really long time. And people that were coming to us for help, we were just as bad because <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for the answer to this problem, thinking like, oh, there's somebody's got the secret. Somebody's just going to show me what it is that I'm missing because I'm desperate around food. You know, like I, I would binge too, but I was really great at restricting for long periods of time. And then it was the wheels were off. Right. And it mm -hmm. was for a long time, the wheels would be off. And so I had roller coaster weight and self-esteem and all those things that go with it. And then as I, the longer I spent in fitness, the more I actually saw all of my fellow coaches doing the same thing. And it became this like, whoa moment for me of like, wait a second, there's got to be something else that we should be doing. And this is also true in elite sports. And I feel like I really need to point that out because people assume that athletes have it all together. And I talk about this a lot, but like sometimes the more elite the athlete, the worse the eating behavior is. And that was a little eye-opener for me, too, when I started working with more professional athletes and I started really, like, honing in because they're young, too. And I think this is something else people don't realize is most of these pro athletes are 20, 21, 18. You know, they don't have a fully developed sense of self or, or proper eating or anything. They're pitched into these hugely competitive, high-pressure situations where there's not necessarily great guidance. And fun yeah, I mean, they have their coaches. Their coaches will straight up tell them they're too fat. Yes, I'm dealing with that right now. Yeah. With a client. And it's like, dude, this particular client is outperforming everybody else, but she, you know, is a female. She's still getting told she needs to be leaner. And it's like, why? What yeah. sport? Why? Huh? I'd rather What's not. Sport? Oh, okay, okay. But I'm just uh, curious because uh, I saw that recent article about, about the volleyball players that are going to get penalized because they won't, they refuse to wear like bikini bottoms. They just want to yeah. wear shorts, and I was like, so I just yeah, I feel like with certain female sports, it's very much like mm -hmm. all 
focused yeah. on your looks. But don't don't underestimate the impact on the men too. And I think Boris, of course, yeah, to be speaking to that because it really it affects men just as much, if not more, because they're less willing to be vulnerable about it and talk. Yeah, about I mean. And like the male ego is just like, oh, it's not a guy thing, right? And like, I honestly didn't really realize it until I did a bunch of mushrooms out in Joshua Tree one time. And I was just like out there. And like, I just had this thought where it was just like, bro, you got a bad relationship with food. And it wasn't until then where I was like, oh, fuck, I do. I really do. Like, it was like, once you had this like ego melting experience where it was just down, like, and I could admit it. Um that's that's really the only time it started to get better after that. So what did you what did you do? Like what how did you start to address the eating disorder that you decided you had? Like what were your first steps? <clears throat> well, I was going to try to go like get like help, actual help. But instead, I mean I I would recommend anybody to like get professional help for sure. Um but what I did instead was I just kind of looked up stories of other people that were that had like dealt with overeating and binge eating as well and like what they avoided what they what they did you know and like i just experimented so it was just like okay let's not have like a restrictive diet but let's just be mindful of eating let's slow down our eating let's get up and like walk around after eating so that we're not like going straight for more food let's have foods that like that are around that can be like somewhere in between like a trigger style food and like, like something that I just won't eat at all, but something in between like popcorn for me works really well. Like just a little bit of popcorn sometimes for me can just help me get my mind off of food. Um, and just things like just being super, super aware of like my emotions at, of, at the time. Um, being really cautious of also not getting too restrictive with certain things or not. Like if I went to a party and there was like donuts and I felt like having a donut, I would eat a donut. You know, if I felt like, like drinking a beer, I would just have a beer instead of like, like eyeing it and really wanting it, but like, not like not doing it and just kind of being awkward about it. And then, because what would happen is later on, I would just drive to like the donut shop and just buy a dozen of them instead and just crush those. So now I'm just like more aware, I think of the feelings that didn't happen overnight. Obviously there were some slip ups and like there continued to be some slip ups, but I think I'm just more aware of it. How does this all make you feel is because you're, you know, you're sitting in on this podcast with two fitness professionals, right? It's like dare call ourselves fitness professionals. <laughs> And we're both telling you the same story. Um, I know, because to me, I'm like, oh, you're speaking exactly like what I would do. So I would do one of two things. If I were at a party and so, and they had like food I really wanted, if I'm in like a shame spiral, I would just be, and I really wanted it, I, I would do the exact same thing where I'm like, I'm not going to eat this in front of people because I don't want them judging me. And then I would go and get like a bunch because I would feel so angry and deprived and resentful and like, fuck you, society, you made me feel this way. <laughs> and then, or, or when I was in my really bad eating disorder way, I would just be all like, no, I'm not going to have that donut. And then be like, I'm so much. And then I would like look at anyone having it. And I'm like, pathetic. 
And I yeah. would, and I would just take out all my rage, like on judging them because I, you know, or if I thought they looked really good in my head, I would just be like, fuck you. I bet you're going to go throw that up. Like I would just be so angry yeah. and judgmental towards others. Toxic thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And like I would also like, there were times where I would also eye things and be like, all right, that's 600 calories. Um, if I go running for an hour and do this for an hour, I could burn that. I could have that and burn that off. And that's toxic too, because I think that's mm. called, there's like a term for it. I think, I think it's called exercise bulimia. Yes, it is. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Where like, oh I didn't even God. know I was doing that. And it's like associating like calories of something that you're just going to exercise off later. is fucking terrible. Cause it, it creates like yeah. this worth the worst spiral ever. The shame spiral, right? It starts that yeah. down. And then you get oh. that into them over, and now you're riding the wave again. So <laughs> yeah. it's it's the, like the food crease thing. I have food to say, thing, Chris. Like, I know, right? How many Hail Marys do I have to say for this? But Forrest hasn't heard any episodes of our podcast, I would guess. Maybe he listened to one before he decided to come on today, but I would hazard a guess, and I wouldn't be offended if he never listened to it. But all of the things that you are saying right now, Forrest, is literally stuff we are talking about week over week about how to normalize your relationship with food, how to get away from demonizing and glorifying certain foods or behaviors in ways that in the end sabotage your own efforts, right? I mean, literally, this is like, this is fantastic. It isn't exactly what we intended to talk about, but I'm so glad that we are because this is I perfect. Think it's really, really useful for people who listen to this podcast to hear that it's not just an isolated person in fitness that feels this way, like me, because I'm the one usually on here talking about this. Um, but that this is something that's happening and that there is support. If you show up to a gym, if you show up to a place and you open up, chances are you're going to find a lot of other people who are experiencing what you are because they feel like a lot of what holds people back is the shame, right? That shame starts the cycle of not doing and the not doing prevents you from even getting into the gym and starting in the first place. And so one of the things Liz and I always talk about is just show up. Right. One of the most recent challenges we talked about her going through on the podcast was escalating outside challenges. Right. So it was like, okay, go for a hike in shorts. And then it was like, what was phase two? You had to meet up. Right. Okay. I had, I had a meetup. And then, okay. I, I never really talked to you, Chris, about, but since you, you brought up the rock climbing right before Forrest got on, like (laughs) I did go, I did. And I'm going to say this because maybe you guys with your, your inner knowledge can, help I'm traumatized from that rock climbing experience it was the worst and it like threw me into the one of the worst shame spirals I've had in like a year um I went there to for a meetup and they were doing bouldering and I'm just like I need help I need a wire (laughs) you know I because I have I have a couple in old injuries and I'm just like I don't want to fall wrong and then I asked them, I, I was like, Hey, would anyone be interested in showing me like in the, in the actual, um, was it the automatic belay room, you know, like helping me out. There was like a whole group of people. And then like the, the woman who was kind of in charge, I asked her that. And then she's like, Oh, we'll go ask the front desk. They'll help you. And so I did. So then this like 17 year old guy, like hooked me up to the wall, the 90 degree angle wall which is really intimidating for me since this is like my first time and I just like kept on and he's like okay have fun and I just kept on like trying to get on and I couldn't even get on the wall and I was like I don't know where to put my I don't know what to do and like I started like 
I was just staring at the wall and I like started crying, but like, like quietly, but I was like, this is like the worst experience ever. I already came into this being like, I do not belong here. I'm six feet tall. Six feet tall women cannot climb walls and they do not rock climb, you idiot. Um, and then I just like left after 30 minutes. And then they, it was, they kept on pressing me for feedback and email. So then I filled out, you know, I just said like, it was a really not good experience. This is why. And then now they just sent me like a bunch of free passes. And like, part of me is like, I'm not going back. I hate myself. <laughs> but, right. but I want to just put a pin in that for a second for you, because I think from the coach perspective, that was an absolute business fail. That wasn't a you no. fail. That shouldn't be on you. It's like what we talk about all the time of like, if you can't follow a diet, it's not the diet's fault or it's not your fault. It's the diet's fault. Sorry, that was backwards. <laughs> it's totally your fault is, is what I'm trying to say. No, it's the other way around. Like that's that business's fault. You were a brand new climber that walked in the door. They didn't offer you an intro session. They didn't give you a coach or somebody to teach you how to use any of it. They didn't recognize once they figured out that you were a beginner and needed some help that somebody should. Asked, I asked for help. Right. So that's not on you. As far as I'm concerned, you did everything you said you were going to do. You showed up, you gave it a try. There should be no shame there. Like none. How is that on you? That's on them. And that, I love that you wrote an email and said something like, hey, this sucked balls and I yeah. fucking hated it. That's yeah. great. Now they're like, oh, like you've given that business an opportunity. So yeah. okay, it was scary. And you'd have like three or four successes leading up to this big moment, right? This was the yeah. big one that you were going to attempt. <laughs> it was. And you sort of walked in the door feeling already scared shitless to do it, which oh was my God. one of like back it up, right? So how could you have broken that down into something smaller, into a smaller step than like show up, fucking climb the wall, nail it, go home, make it smaller. I genuinely don't know. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I already like, I already like climb over boulders on my hikes. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's like, I already do that. <laughs> okay. But in that those, are, those are 90, those are vertical walls. <laughs> I'm like, it's a different thing. It's, like it's I, I've always different. like, I think for like people where they're doing rock climbing or boxing or jujitsu or CrossFit or anything, yeah, any of those things, like people who do them, they just, they come like second nature. So you're just kind of like, oh, you just want to come do CrossFit? Cool. Like just do what I do. Hop in here. No problem. But like to a lot of people, it looks like that 90 degree wall that you're looking at, no matter what it is, it was just like you freeze and you're like, I don't, you're saying do what you do, but I don't really even know where to get started. Right. Yeah. One thing is just getting over the fear of just like, you're going to fall. You're going to fall. Like just accept that that's part of being a beginner. But like the other thing is like coaches need to understand and be in the beginner mind again, the beginner mindset. I think yeah. I love sending my coaches to shit. They're not good at. So <laughs> it's like, I will send them to like, they've never done Pilates. I'll send them to Pilates. They've never done rock climbing. I'll send them to rock climbing. Because it takes them out of their comfort zone where they're just like, oh, I understand fitness. So this is like, I'm really comfortable here. So when I teach new people, it's just like, just do this, just do what I do. Mm -hmm. Instead of being like, again, more empathetic and being like, oh, she must be feeling like she's staring up this 990 degree, like vertical wall. Let me just break it down for her a little bit. Let me get her comfortable by like putting her hands and feet on there and then coming down. 
and then putting your hands and feet on there and then grabbing one other spot and then coming down, right? Nobody walked you through that. And I think in fitness, we do that a lot too, where it's like, okay, let's go for a warm up and three, two, one thrusters and pull-ups, you know? And it's like, it's like there's steps in between there to make people feel more comfortable. And if our goal is to make people feel more comfortable, like if I were a rock climber, my goal would be to make everybody love rock climbing, right? Mm -hmm. And be like, look, if you're afraid of being off the ground, that's okay. I'm afraid too, right? I feel that fear too. That's part of it, right? That's part of it. But let's just start with something that's just slightly outside your comfort zone right now, right? Like the auto belay, which is fine. It's like, but but it's like, let's start off on something that might not be straight up and down. It might be a little bit easier, right? Yeah. Like, let's be, start me off on the stuff that the kids do, right? Like, whatever. And just reassure me that this belay thing works. And then and then we can go from there. And I think with fitness, nutrition, because nutrition, that's the equivalent of somebody being like, oh, yeah, here's a meal plan. Just follow this. Good luck. I mean, that's the, that's the equivalent, right? Exactly. And it just doesn't work because somebody will look at that meal plan and be like, this is just a straight up and down wall and I'm going to fall. And there's a like, fuck it. I'm not going to do it. So I think, I think for you, I think you just got to go back, go back or go, go do something else. Like find something else that you feel slightly more comfortable with. Rock climbing is a, a tough one, but something that you feel comfortable with and like, just realize like as a beginner, it's the only way is up, right? You can only improve. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> you can only improve. I think part of that though, you do need a win at this point. So yeah. Cause I'm like, a little traumatized to the point where yeah. I've watched a lot of rock climbing videos on YouTube and I find it so inspirational. And now every time one comes up, I'm like, fuck you. And I just, I'm like, I hate you. And I love to tall shame myself a lot. So that definitely is. Well, honestly, yeah. as a short person with short people problems and legs this long, like, you know, because you've seen my legs, they're not long. I'm great at squatting. It's not far to go. But like rock climbing is actually really challenging for me because the the routes are all set up for people who are five, six. And so I mm. can't get to some of the routes because they're just too long for me. And that's quite frustrating. So, you know, yes, okay, you're tall, but you're not the only one who faces those challenges and feels mm-hmm. sad about it or inadequate or whatever, because they, you know, they have to set those routes for a baseline, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean it's on you, right? It means you actually get an advantage in that particular situation because you can just be, you can just skip one to be like, I don't like that one. I'll just go over the next one. Yeah. That, that part does feel good. Right. And so, you know, when we talk about making this challenge smaller, we have taken lead up steps to doing this particular thing. So if we look at it, like, is there another rock gym? Can you set up an intro class that you go in with support? Can you take somebody with you who's got some experience that's going to manage the douchebaggery that goes on when nobody's taking proper care of people coming in the door? Like, there's a thousand different ways where you can go do it again. But I 100% agree with, agree with Forrest. you got to go again. Yeah, I'm I'm going to. I really because now I'm like angry about it, and now I'm like, I'll show you wall, you mother. That's how Forrest got jacked, right? I just like punch the wall until it crumbles. I'm like, yeah, who climbed you now? I mean, I had a similar rock climbing experience where I was getting ready to go with ten of my friends. We were gonna go rappelling, and like gonna do. We were gonna do basically. It was like ten over one hundred foot rappels. And I had never been repelling before. I didn't, I don't even know what to do. 
So I booked a private at a rock climbing gym and I had a very similar experience where the dude was like, yeah, just, you know, just like go. I'm like, no, dude, no, no, you shut the fuck up. And like, let's start over because like I had something lined up that I had to get proficient with rock climbing and like, and repelling. So I'm like, I'm not going to die. So you need to show me. And so I I had to go to a couple of different rock climbing gyms, but Mm. it's sometimes it's part of it. It's part of the learning process. It's that perseverance, right? And it's the perseverance that you're showing with continuing to work on your nutrition and continuing to work on your fitness and all of the different successes that you've had over the past year and a half. Now you're consistently hiking and you're consistently getting, you know, strength training in multiple times a week and you're consistently working on the nutrient density in your food. You're doing all of these things. You're building all of this success up, right? Which should make you have a little bit of that fight that Forrest was just saying of like, no, fuck you. I want to do this and you're going to show me how like yeah. own that for yourself because you deserve yeah. it. Right. Like you yeah. to have that kind of service. That's what that business is there for. Like if they can't inspire new people to want to climb up walls, they're going down pretty quick. And it goes back yeah. to what you we were saying earlier about coaches who didn't want to be therapists or cheerleaders or empathetic in any way. Like, okay, cool. That's not on you, the client though, that's on the coach. Mm-hmm. And it's up to that particular industry or that particular business to, to adapt to that. And I think for sure. to, kind of bring it for, to kind of bring it full circle, like that's what you've seen happening in fitness, I think. And I hope for us, you know, you have something to add to this. Yeah. But like those of us who have been on the empathy train for a while or have been on our own journeys of eating disorder recovery and feeling a bit, you know, frustrated or inadequate in fitness or in life in any way and have fought through it, those are the people you're seeing really thrive and survive in fitness now. And that's a good thing for all of people who are coming in now. Yeah. And I, you know, I think for you specifically, I think it's good to do stuff that scares you. I think it's good to do things that you're afraid of. I continually try to do those things. And it was one of those things that I think it was a Will Smith quote where he said, if you can't get over the fear, just do it afraid. And Mm. like, I I just recently went on a 300 mile dirt bike trip from Sierras to Yosemite. I've never ridden a dirt bike. I've never ridden a motorcycle. I went and took a class in a fucking parking lot <laughs> got my motorcycle license and i thought it was going to be like oh hey guys we're going to kind of start off slow you're going 65 or 70 down a road and like right out of the parking lot and it was just this is a 300 mile four-day trip through roads oh dirt roads sheer cliffs and in the first 30 minutes i was coming around the corner of, and there was, there was like a on a dirt road and there was a truck coming the other way I went over the handlebars at like 35 miles an hour. I like, I like my worst fear came and I just crashed and like, like I was shaking up a little bit and I was like afraid, but I just got back up and it was like, you know what? I'm just going to pretend that never happens. <laughs> but like, but I mean, you got to do stuff that scares you a little bit because it, it will help you grow as a person. Um, so those little things where it's like, it's a rock climbing gym. Like odds are you probably aren't going to die. Odds are, (laughs) but like you want to go in there and like, just face the fear of like doing something that you're not familiar with being a beginner. And don't be afraid to be like, look, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about with belay on or belay off or like what kind of knot you're you're tying. Like, I don't know these things and that's okay. Yeah. It's not a competition when you're learning something. 
Well, I do know the most because I'm a Virgo and I did tons of research. I just, my body doesn't know the most. My body is like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, like, listen, body, (laughs) it didn't work, (laughs) but you guys have really inspired me um, to just bite down on that fear. Just, yeah, do it afraid. Secret. You have to do it afraid because that's how you, I mean, I have to say, because we're on the topic of rock climbing, I started rock climbing because I'm so terrified of heights that it was a way for me to cope with the fact that I was missing out on other opportunities and, and doing things with people because I was so afraid of heights. And I was like, well, fuck it, I'm going to learn to rock climb. There's a rope. I can't die, right? You <laughs> and one of my first times, <laughs> a friend who took me out into the canyons in Utah, because I was living in Utah at the time, and it was like, I got about halfway up and I realized I couldn't reach the next hold and I just let go. And unfortunately, there was like a, a parallel cliff face right there. And I just slammed straight into the parallel cliff face. I started spinning around. I'm like 50 feet in the air. And the guy who's belaying me is like 225. So I'm safe. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. Like nothing I can do on this rope is going to pick him up off the ground. And so he's yelling at me. He's like, put your feet on the wall. I'm like, I don't know where the wall is. Yeah. Like, give me a minute. And I must have hung out there for like, I don't know, 10 minutes because I was so full of adrenaline and just abject fucking terror that I didn't have a choice about how to get down though. Like I had to, at some point, overcome that in the sense of like, it's just, it just can't last forever. And so that's the thing about fear. It doesn't last forever. If you sit in it long enough, it just fucks off. <laughs> I love that's definitely the, the name of this episode. Yes. Fuck off fear. Fuck off fear. I like that. But I mean, I think this is it. And I think this is what prevents people from getting into fitness or from making changes. Like that voice in your head that tells you no, that tells you you can't or you shouldn't. Yeah. It prevents you from ego. a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. It prevents you from a lot of things. I mean, think like since we're on the topic of fear, like I, I started with social media about 18 months ago. And I, it took me three months to make the first post because I was fucking terrified, terrified of putting a post out there as myself on social media. And just like, by the way, for those of you who do not follow Forrest or South Bay or CrossFit South Bay on TikTok or on Instagram, go do it because he's freaking hysterical. And the fact that he was ever worried about what he put out not being awesome to me is completely insane because his content is gold. Like, and I don't say that lightly. I'm not just blowing sunshine up his ass because he came on my podcast, but I genuinely think that. And it's been really awesome to watch him like change and grow in this way. Like, because I know we used to talk about this. You used to get up my ass about marketing. Like, just go fucking get on MailChimp and send some shit out. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and you were like, dude, just sit down and do it. And I was like, no. So you're inspiring me to get more out there too. And so you can always look around and find other people that are doing just a little bit more than what you're currently doing and anchor to them. Don't anchor to somebody who's doing like 17, that to stop watching people climb. What's that shit in Yosemite? Half dome. Don't watch people climb half dome and then show up at the rock gym. That's not helping you. Right. I literally am. I'm watching like the best climbers in the world be amazing and be like, I want to be like that. Cool. But first do it. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'll chop off my legs and be five foot two. No, that doesn't help. I'm telling you, it's worse. All right, fine, Chris. Fine. I'm just gonna be myself. All right. Let's just sum up. I mean, I think we've talked about a lot of different things today, and I think a lot of them circle around the same concept of like empathy and overcoming fear. And I think they're two sides of the same thing, right? Because when you're in a safe environment 
And when you feel like those around you support you, you're willing to face your fear a lot more easily. Um, so I think the challenge for you this week is going to be like, how can you set up a more supportive environment for you to continue to face whatever challenge it is that you choose for this week? Are you talking Question? to me? I'm talking to either of you. Who wants to Are take talking to both of us? Sure. Well, Forrest well, is going to go get some Canadian friends so he can try out his ketchup chips <laughs> and be like, I don't understand what this is a boot. Well, I'm like, I'm currently in the, in the process right now of building out our like nutrition coaching online. And it's something that I'm definitely not very comfortable with as far as like delivering coaching over the phone and mm -hmm. online with people like you've never seen or met before. Yeah. Um, the process is interesting because it's like you're, I'm like having to build this thing out and it could possibly fail. Right. So it's like, it's definitely very scary. Um, but <clears throat> you know, I think if you set up a system that like, I constantly am talking to people who have done this before and like seeing if these feelings are normal or if like, um, if they've like encountered some of the same issues that I'm coming up against and like they are, they're normal and people like are definitely more than happy to help. So it's basically just finding someone that has walked in your shoes before and has gone where you want to go. Um, and just reassuring you, just reassuring you that like, yeah, shit's going to be fine. Just, just fucking do it. It doesn't have to be perfect to start. Like you're going to fall down. You're going to mess up. And eventually along the way you find out, like you find out your path, you find out your rhythm. Like the same thing goes with like my, the social media thing. I thought that I had to be like every other fitness influencer that was like just taking pictures and flexing in the mirror. But I was like, I, I feel way more comfortable making funny videos. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do that. And fuck it, man. This is, this is my steez. This is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I can maintain. So that's what I'm going to do. And like, so I think, I think the biggest thing to do is just to find people that can encourage you and that can help you along the way. And like, if you have people in your life that are like naysaying and shitting on you, I would just cut them out. Yeah. I would cut those people out. If people don't support you in your dreams and like what you want to do, cut them the fuck out of your life. It's like, they're not adding anything to, to your life. Don't feel bad about it. I mean, I've cut out some close friends. I've cut out family members who like shitted on me, who shit on me for starting a gym, who shit on me for like basically like doing, like turning down business school. Like they shit, they shat on me. And I was just like, you know what? Deuces. Like, I don't need that kind of shit right now. It's only going to bring me down. Um, and you're not adding anything to my life. So fuck off. Yeah. So I want you to channel that, Liz, channel that forest energy. What's your this week? What are you gonna tackle? I'm gonna I'm gonna set up um, a session with like a legit rock rock climbing instructor. All right, I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be good. And so, Forrest, if people, so you're setting up um, this online program, so anyone all over can can train with you and your and your team. Mm -hmm. So exactly. if someone wanted to look you up, Instagram is I know forest. TikTok is I know forest. I know forest. That's F O R R E S T. That's me. Not like forest, forest. like the trees, but like yeah. forest, like forest gum. Exactly. 
<laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm following you now. And everyone else should too. Unless you want to be a loser who can't get up a rock climbing wall. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. Let's play the victim. You should document your rock climbing journey on social media. I she will. Is. She's got I, a I am. page that she's put up for just this purpose to document her facing some of these challenges. Yeah. And I, as, as a marketing person, I love marketing for other people, but it's really hard for me to do it for myself. So because of our mm-hmm. podcast, Chris, I started my own Instagram as like a friend to this podcast. So I am now starting to document it's super scary go. and super intimidating. And I'm like, right? someone's going to be all like, you're a loser and this and that. And I'm like, so at least I'm out there doing something. Yeah. That's the best. 100%. Somebody's going to say that. Who oh, absolutely. But that's when you know you're actually doing something right. That's when you know you're actually doing something that people care about. Like the thing I was scared about the most were trolls. And now I have Mm -hmm. like a complete strategy with trolls, whether it's on TikTok or on on Instagram. What is your strategy? I want to know that actually, because that could help people because you know, a lot of people want to put themselves out and it's so scary. What is your strategy? So trolls are trolls are interesting because most of them have zero content. They, most of them have zero followers and they're on these. And accounts. they live under bridges. Yes, exactly. But they, they will say the most, like the meanest shit, right? They'll say the meanest, most personal shit to you. But just realize every comment and everything that is pushed onto your social media is engagement for your post. Mm. So it will, yeah. it will push your post out even more. It's good for the algorithm. It is. It's great for the algorithm. And it's great because once you have a like a following too, they'll come to bat for you as well. You think in yeah. your mind, like, oh, the entire world is reading this and it's out there forever and everybody's going to laugh at me. But they're not. Like nobody yeah. is really, except for you and that other person. And it's fucking yeah. awesome when you can just troll them back and forth. Yeah. You like basically troll the trolls. Troll the trolls. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to make stuff that I find funny and I find like, I find uh, valuable. But then what I had to do was figure out how to communicate that. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I find it funny and I find it valuable, if I don't communicate it right, it's just, it's just going to flop. Right. So it's like figuring out how to be extremely like to the point and catch somebody's attention. Um, I think one of the biggest change, honestly, like I had a video go like crazy viral and it gave me the confidence to kind of start putting out more stuff, right? Because anytime you start posting on social media in the beginning, you're a little bit reserved. You're not quite yourself because if people reject it, then they're not really fully rejecting something that you put your heart and soul into. They're kind of like, oh, well, I didn't really try anyway. So I think it's really important to like, like put put in the effort, put in yourself and be candid. The more you are vulnerable in those situations, the better response you're going to get. Right. And like, I found that being relatable, relatable content, it has to be extremely relatable content. And it's that authenticity that matters. And that matters no matter what you're trying to change, right? Whether it's learning how to climb that rock wall or changing your nutrition, it's that authenticity and the consistency. And I think one of the big things, and this is, a huge part of the book Outliers, which came out a hundred years ago now, I think. But it's this idea of like, you can be doing all the right things for a really long time 
and still not get some big finished moment of like massive success and renown. That doesn't matter because you're still reaping the rewards of all of that effort, right? Like, and, and if you're looking at it from that point of view, you're doing it because it's the thing you want to be doing because you love it, because it's the right thing to do and you think it's going to help somebody, then those are the steps you just have to keep repeating mm-hmm. until it does work. Well, right. Okay. I think that's the common thread of all of this is like, it, it takes consistency. It takes iteration, right? So if you're consistent at something that sucks and doesn't move you forward, then you're going to be consistently sucky, right? So like, okay, I'm consistent at this, but I need to add something to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So we talked about a couple of weeks ago with small change, right? You can make a small change and that's great. Hurrah. I'm going to be excited for you. But like, if you stop at that one small change, you're not going to then see the results you're trying to get to. You have to keep making those small changes. You have to keep iterating yeah. and refining and improving and chasing that. So, you know, I think if there's any takeaway from everything that Forrest has said today, it's literally this, it's like, you don't give up, right? You've got to be vulnerable, you have to be open and honest with what it is you really want and go and do it and literally show up. Like that is the secret sauce. If there is one secret in fitness or anything, it's show up. Yeah. Just yeah. keep showing up until it works. Even if you fall on your face. Well, I just want to say thank you so much to Forrest for coming on today. Thank you. Awesome. I think yeah, thank you guys. it was not only a good time and good to catch up with you, but I think hopefully it was really useful for people. And I think it did a really good job of summing up some of the topics we've already been talking about in the past few weeks. Oh my God. Beautifully. I was, I, it, I was like, shit, are you, have you been listening to this podcast? Cause you're kind of just like slipping right in there. He's motivated me to get out there a little bit more. Now we're going to do it. Right. No more big life changes for a while. Hopefully. Oh my God. Knock on wood right now. All right, cool. All right, first, thanks so much. Thank you, All right. Okay, thank you. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. It's what you take away from them. Wow. The more you know.